good to just hear all of the music today. Open your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning. I'd like to open to 2 Timothy in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We've been preaching some time and teaching for some time. Almost every message is, is really dealing with the Holy Spirit. We've been in revival spirit uh, for some months now, and uh, we like to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And we've just really been dealing with uh, areas in uh, His instruction, uh, baptism, uh, just all of the things that you could say about the Holy Spirit. We're just, we've just been encouraged by it. I want to talk today about Holy Ghost growth and development. And I want to begin reading here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verses 15 through 17. Paul is speaking. He says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, Yeshua. It says in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How many believes that as a child of God, God expects us to have good works, works of righteousness, works of faith, works. And when we work, we certainly know that the Holy Spirit uh, moves upon the things that we do. You see, the works that Jesus done were all good. Amen. He grew up and he also grew into the works of the Father. The Holy Ghost was the administrator of his spiritual growth, though his mom and his dad were the administrators of his physical growth. And we see such a comparison when we talk about birthing, when we talk about the process of that term period that a mother would carry a child in the womb, the bringing forth of the child, the growth and the, the development in this life after they're born. We're so thankful that the Word of God shares with us what it takes to be pleasing unto the Lord. Now, I've said this before, but the Holy Ghost is the growth and development administrator of the church. When you go back into the church that was uh, birthed at Pentecost, you don't find a lot of the things that we address in the church today as far as administrators. But they were full of faith. It was one of the great requirements. And they were full of the Holy Ghost. In fact, I've said that it is the Holy Ghost that keeps faith alive. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's simply that the Word is active. And when the Word is active, it is the action of the Holy Spirit moving upon that Word. He is the spiritual substance, the Holy Spirit, upon the church. You see, God is still building his church. How many agree with that? Never totally done because there are still stones that are being added uh, to the church, and we're so thankful for that. I want to take you, if you would turn with me, to John chapter 14. We're going to share some scripture. 
always like to get in the Word, and I like to study the Word. I like to put line upon line and precept upon precept, and sometimes, you know, it's just amazing how it unfolds. Today, I simply want to talk about Holy Ghost growth and development, and I want to pick up at verse number 12 of John chapter 14. Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now look at this. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. He said, it's expedient that I go away. He said, if I go away, I'll not leave you without comfort. I will send the comforter, and he shall abide with you. That's the administrator of the church. We found the Holy Spirit is that administrator of the church, and he was the administrator of all the works that Jesus done. Because remember what Jesus said? He said, of mine own self, of mine own self, he said, I can do what? Nothing. Big old zero. So the works that he done were the works of the Father, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was the movement upon that word. He moves upon his word. If we, if we don't get into the word, if we don't hear the word, you know, I always like to listen, and for years I've always listened to denominational preachers, non-denominational preachers, Pentecostal preachers, different kinds of preachers. I like to listen to them. And in fact, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. And uh, we may not always see everything eye to eye on some of those issues, but nonetheless, is it not faith that cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God? And so we need to hear it and we need to believe it. But I like what he said here in this 12th verse. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and even greater works. Whether that means more because the Holy Spirit is uh, not limited as it moves through the body of Christ. I don't really, uh, you know, I'm not looking for doing more than the Lord done. I tell you, you just couldn't do more than he done. But uh, the Holy Ghost grows us into the word and the works of our Savior. I'm so thankful for that. I want to go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I've entitled the message, Holy Ghost Growth and Development. And I want to look here in the 11th chapter of Matthew. And I want to look at verse number 2. We all know who John the Baptist was, right? John the Baptist was born about six months prior to the Savior's birth. And actually, they would be cousins. Now, I'm sure that John and the Lord didn't grow up together. I mean, because of some of the things that I read in the Bible. But the Bible says when John had gone to prison... And he heard of the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples. <clears throat> Verse 3. And said unto him, Art thou he that should come, speaking to the Lord, John's apostles, or do we look for another? I don't want to get into the, any political area or any world religion area but I don't see how you could be saved in the Islamic movement. I just seen on um, 
the it was a cleric. Uh, he was preaching on three reasons why you should beat your wife. Three reasons why you should beat your wife. You do know they beat their wife, right? And you do know the wife, I mean, she is worse. She is no better than a dog. I honestly, I, I don't see that. And how these so-called, um, well, this movement is out there to protect them, to allow them into our country. Somebody says, you know, the Lord said to not take up arms. Well, I think you can interpret that. But you have a right to protect your children, and you have a right to protect your nation. Amen? I don't care what religion it is. If that's a religion that believes in destroying somebody else over their faith or noncompliance to their faith, then I don't believe that can be of God. I don't believe that could be of God. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. He tells us to be tolerant, as tolerant as we can be, but there is a time you are to pick up something that would, for the safety of your own family. I believe that. He told them there was a time the Lord said himself, he said, he said you know, sell what you have. And he said, buy you a sword. So we, we know that we, you know, this thing is not in us to win the battle. The battle is his. But praise God, there's a time to become strong in the Lord to defend your family and yourself and your nation. We have been walked all over as a people and laughed at because we are Christians and have faith in someone we have not seen. But I tell you this, I'll go to my dying days believing in the Lord rather than believing in some ism that somebody has presented in its place. Lord asked them one time, you know, if, if they would turn away, some of the apostles, and he said, well, Lord, to whom would we go? We take this word by faith. We take this word by faith and we hold on to it and to believe that it is spirit and to believe that it is life. We believe that there's one way that you come into the kingdom. There's one way that you are saved. There's one way that you are forgiven from your sins and there is one way that we are to follow. And as far as I can tell, they ain't nothing, they ain't nothing that compares to this written word of the Almighty that he has allowed to be put in printed form. Amen? I'll stake my life on it. But it's up to you whether you want to stake your life on it. Now, they said to him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And he answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and which you do see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Now, whether that means poor financially or it means poor spiritually, it's probably a combination of both. But nonetheless, the works, he said, 
that he mentioned right here are the works I do, and the words I say are the words that I say. Now, someone says, you know, I could never do the works that Jesus did. But neither did he in that developmental stage. You see, the Holy Ghost brings us along in his time frame, not ours. When they looked for Jesus, they found him in the temple, about 12 years old. And the Bible said that he went and left there after they had returned and found him in the temple. The Bible said he left there and uh, he, he grew in stature. He grew in favor with men and he grew in his spirit walk. Amen. So there was a time there that we don't know what he done in the growing up and developmental stage. And it was the same way, I believe, that uh, it is with all of us. We're, we, we can't say, well, I got something and uh, I got it real quick. Or somebody says, you know, I ain't got that much myself and it's been all these years. You, you just can't look at it like that. It was what the Holy Ghost had done through Jesus that caused John to send his disciples. Amen. And Jesus said, go and show John again those things which you do hear and which you do see. Both the words he spoke and the things he did were the evidence of who he was. And I think the Bible says they will know us, his people, by our fruits. Amen. I want to look in John chapter 1, real quick. John chapter 1. And I want to look in the 29th verse. The Bible says, John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Do you know that was one of the main works of our Savior, it was a works of taking away our sins. He said, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now listen to this. John knows something here. He said, and I knew him not, but that he should be manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing for water, with water. John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit, let's say Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. John said, I saw the Holy Spirit. Does anybody have a problem with us saying it this way? John said, I saw, say it with me, the Holy Ghost descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode Upon him, period. <laughs> he said, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw it, and I bear record of it, that this is the Son of God. Amen. Now watch what it says in verse 35. Again the next day. Again the next day. Well, if I look back at verse number 29, I think he's just given a little bit more information. I think it wasn't the next day after that day. 
But that's not important. But again, the next day, after John stood with two of his disciples, he looked upon Jesus as he walked. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And he turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and they abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and said unto him, We found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, I like this. I, I like anything that will bring you to the Lord. Amen? That's, we all don't preach and we all don't teach the same way. We all don't study the same way. But whatever's working for you, whatever's working for you, I mean, if you're finding fruit in something that is glorifying the Lord and, and, and bringing sinners to repentance and getting them started in the right direction, then keep on doing what you're doing. Amen? I like that. But they said, where do you abide? And he simply said, come and see. You see, John did not grow with, up with Jesus. I, I believe the Father truly revealed his son to John. And I think that was uh, the way John, John just simply, he had his ministry, his message of sharing the word, and the Lord had his when it was time. And after his baptism, we're beginning to see some of the things that Jesus did. I want to go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Just share a little bit of scripture. And I want to look in um, verse 54. Matthew 13, verse 54. I'm speaking of the Lord. When he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom? Where did he get it? And these mighty works. Now look at this verse number 55. This kind of shows you the negative part of it. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Latter portion of 55, first part of 56. And his brethren and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? Verse 57 says, And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his what? In his own house. Why do you think so many times that people will leave the United States of America, people that are, uh, feel like they need to take the word into all the world, why do you think so many times they will leave the United States and go elsewhere? Well, there's your reason right there. Uh, how come so many people can't seem to get many uh, mighty works in their ministry in the United States, but they can go to Mexico, they can go to some of these undeveloped countries, and they can see a lot of the same things that the Lord done. I'm not saying it's not happening. I believe it is happening. 
But he simply said that a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And the Bible says in verse 58, and this is truly shocking, and he did not many mighty works there because of their what? Unbelief. Now, in another place, he said, Blessed is he who is not offended in me. They were offended in him. And what that really means is they had no respect for him. We know his mama. We know his daddy. We know where he works. We know how he lives, how he dresses, all of these kind of things. Now, I've had people say, well, you know, Jesus went about in those early days, and he was healing, you know, little birds that got wounded and he was doing all of this well i'm not saying he couldn't have done that because he if all of the works that jesus done the bible says were put into books perhaps the world could not even contain them so we know he done great and mighty things amen but there's something here about he could not do many mighty works because of unbelief now don't think within yourself that unbelief is a lack of faith. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. There's people that operate sometimes, and they get a lot of things done for them, and they really don't have a whole lot of faith. Well, the Bible says that God has given unto every man a what? A measure of faith. The Bible says that he lighteth every man that cometh into this world. That is simply saying again, he giveth every man a measure of faith. Well, I think it's enough faith to get saved on. I really do. It's enough faith to put you in the right direction. But there's a difference in unbelief and a difference in not having a whole lot of faith. I, I just want you to, I want to put a little emphasis here this morning on that word unbelief. You see, faith can increase and faith can decrease. Amen. Both originate from a source, from a source apart from man. So when the Lord gives me that measure of faith, I didn't get it on my own. Somebody says, well, somebody heard somebody preaching and somehow they responded. No, they was, they was operating on the measure of faith the Lord gave to them. But it didn't come from man. It didn't come from man. It come from the same source. Unbelief is a negative force which is exercised to oppose that which would glorify God. Now, after the flood, the Bible says there was a time that men all were speaking the same language. They were descendants of Noah. And the Bible says they began to build this magnificent tower upward as though they could reach to the very place where the Lord was. Another thing was they didn't take God at his word, saying that he would never allow that to happen again. So they built high to avoid God changing his mind. Now, what that actually stands to mean is that unbelief is that negative force. It is exercised to oppose that which glorifies God. When you see these people today, and they're marching back and forth, and they're doing all of these things that they're doing that are so ungodly before the inhabitants of the cities and wherever they are. They want the right to do it. They want the right to enforce it upon you through whatever kinds of means that can come. 
But what they're actually doing is standing in opposition of the Almighty God. Amen? Unbelievers do not possess the Holy Spirit. They simply oppose that which would glorify God. And that's what was happening in his own city. I'm telling you something. you got to fight against your carnality on an everyday basis. About the time you think you would do something for God or do something right for God, that's when your old carnal nature will try to rise back up. And when it does, it shows its ugly face. We've all been there. We've all done that. We've harbored things that one day was manifest. I just simply, we had them back there, thought we had them under control, but then when something happened, we, we just blew our stack and we revealed, we revealed some of the animosity that we had um, towards others. There's a perfect hatred. What is a perfect hatred? It is a hatred with no animosity. See, the Lord hates sin. You see what I'm saying? He hates sin. I may hate certain things that I see in my life or other people's life. But I, I, I can't operate in that hatred with animosity towards somebody else. I can state my opinion, but I can't force anybody to believe what I believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it was the same way with the Lord. And therefore, he could not do many mighty works. He couldn't raise the dead. doesn't say that he raised the dead there. doesn't say whatsoever that he done any of those mighty works. In another place, it says he, I believe Mark talks about it. Mark says he, he, he simply laid his hands on them, and healed a few folks. Probably some minor thing. I don't really know. But there was unbelief in his hometown. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And I don't have a whole lot more, but I do want you to hear what I have to say, and I'll read rather quick. Mark chapter 10. I want to look at verse number 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus sat by the highway side, and he was begging. But when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal and said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man and said to him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he cast away his garment. He rose and he came to Jesus. And the Lord answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight and Jesus said unto him go thy way thy faith hath made thee whole and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way it says that he said unto him thy faith hath made thee whole he didn't say thy unbelief caused you to be blind he just simply said, thy faith hath made thee whole. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 18. Matthew 9, 
verse 18. And while he spake these things unto him, unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler, worshiping him, and said, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And he arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And while they was going, there was a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood for twelve years, and she she came in behind him, the Bible says, and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And he turned himself about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. What does he say? Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now, he's still on his way to the ruler's house, and when he came into the ruler's house, he saw that the people and the minstrels were making a noise, and he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth, and they laughed him to scorn. Now, watch this. And when the people were what? Put forth. He went in, took her by the hand, and the maid rose. And the fame... Hereof went abroad into all the land, and when he departed thence, two blind men followed him. Now look at all of these things that are happening. Somebody says, well, we just have this, you know, in the New Testament, and you could count them up. There really ain't that many. You could find all the works that he done of healing, resurrection, all those kind of things. They, they really, when you add it up, it really ain't that many. But when I read again that if all the works that he done, and that's, and, and see, all of his works were not just healing works. That was the word manifest in authority and power. We understand that. But uh, it was also all the words that he said. All of these things that he done and all of these things that he said uh, caused him to have the substance that he had, bless God. Now, the Bible says, so they are on the way. He sees two blind men, and they're crying, and they're saying, have mercy on us. And he was coming to the house. The blind men came to him, and he said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Now look, he just asked them a question. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, no more than we've read right here in Matthew chapter 9, we've got two according to thy faith, and we've got one he took her by the hand. Can I say faith was a motivating factor and yet Jesus done his works by the power of God or the power of the Holy Ghost moving upon his words and his thoughts. Works both ways. One's not dependent upon the other. He said of my own self, I can do nothing. But he said, you know, if you have faith in God, all things is possible. Well, I believe that he lived his life Every day, through the authority and the power of the, of the Heavenly Father. And I believe that the Holy Ghost was the administrator of his faith. And when his faith was in operation to perform mighty acts, it was the Holy Ghost that was moving upon the Word. Somebody said, how many people do you believe in? Do you believe in a trinity? Well, I believe in a trinity in action the Bible says that God, the Heavenly Father, the Almighty, the Eternal One, the Bible said He spoke the world into existence. But when He spoke, the Holy Ghost moved upon His thoughts and brought everything, everything came forth that was to be brought forth. 
I believe Jesus is God. I believe God is Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Holy Ghost, and I believe the Holy Ghost is the Father. Somebody says, well, I don't see it that way. That's fine. I'm, not, I'm just simply saying that's the way I believe it. They ain't working against each other. They're working with each other. Do you understand that? And the terminology can be Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I thank God for it. I'm simply saying the Bible says, Hear ye, O Israel, there is one God. And the Bible says he was manifest in the flesh. God so loved us, amen, that he sent his only begotten son, John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby we perceive the love of God that he laid down his life for us. Now, we don't have to go through all of it. God, the eternal one, could not have laid down his life, not physically, not physically. But the Bible says the Lord did. We understand all of that. What am I saying here is this. Sometimes his works was according to their faith. Sometimes his works was because he desired to do it. There were many times when there were great multitudes that had gathered unto him, and it was way up into the night time when they were there, and he had been healing and doing his works all throughout the day, preaching, teaching, and healing. Every one of them people didn't have magnificent faith. I'm sure of that. But I do believe with all of my heart they were not unbelievers in the sense that they possessed something that hindered or opposed the great work of God. Now, I want to go to Mark chapter 9 real quick. I'm just almost to a close. Mark chapter 9. I've just been jumping back, back and forth here trying to share my Bible. I like it when the preacher uses the Bible, and I've got to be honest with you, I don't like it when a preacher don't use the Bible. I don't like that. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9 at verse number 23, two verses, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now my thoughts are this. How do we understand the word unbelief? Well, number one is this. I don't think you can ever help unbelief. When he said, Lord, help thou my unbelief, oftentimes we misquote things we're asking God to do. The Lord knows far greater than what we know. He wasn't saying help my unbelief. If you helped your unbelief, you'd be adding to it and you'd become more of an unbeliever. So it's either in the translation or whatever, but it's just the thought here that you can never help unbelief. It never gets better. Listen to that. Unbelief and belief are total opposites. One is positive and one is negative. Somebody says, yeah, but your battery has a positive and a negative. I don't know if that negative is, might be, could be called a neutral. Could it be called, uh, where's Nathaniel? He's the brain on, he's the brain on uh, electrical stuff. But uh, could it just be that it is a neutral? Even a neutral. If I, I've told people before, I've said, you know, when we're teaching something or when I'm talking to you and I'm trying to explain something, something rather, rather than discard, discard it, it, I said, put, I said, put it on the shelf, shelf, you know, you know. And sometimes, and sometimes you might pull it out and you might try to say, well, brother, you're teaching me wrong, 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 or maybe, maybe, maybe you may see, see something in the way, in the way that, that I'm teaching one or the other. But just be neutral about it, which simply means 
that the day, the day might, might come when it becomes positive. positive. Amen? Because, because the Word of God will always be true. It will always be proven to be right. And I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll close, I believe, with this. Hebrews chapter 3. And in the third chapter, I want to pick up at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. It could be an evil heart or it could be an evil spirit of unbelief. I'd rather choose to believe that it is saying spirit. Actually, the heart and spirit is the same thing. You can look in so many places throughout the Bible. And when the Lord is talking about the heart, he's talking about the spirit. So I could read it like this. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, any of you an evil heart of unbelief or an evil, heart, evil spirit of unbelief in departing from the living God or his word. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. One more verse. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence or our faith steadfast unto the end. One of the things I'd like to point to you is this. Those three verses, he's not talking to somebody out there in the world. He's talking to believers. Take heed, brethren. So right in the church, there is a possibility within a believer that we could have a wicked spirit of unbelief. There's power in unbelief, but that power doesn't come from God. Unbelief isn't a lack of faith. It opposes faith. Unbelief can never become belief. It's a negative op opposite. It has negative force with minus value. Faith begets faith, unbelief begets unbelief. The fearful, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, the fearful and the unbelieving have their place in the lake of fire. The Bible says Jesus said that the works that I do, greater works even than these shall you do. More of them. Everybody has an opportunity to allow the works of God to work in the words they say according to the word of God and the things that they do according to the will of God. And so when we see that, it ought to make us real happy that the Holy Ghost doesn't give us a spirit of unbelief. The Holy Ghost moves upon the Word of God and causes action to come forth in our life that our faith might be increased. One thing I don't want to be is I don't want to be standing in opposition of the Almighty. Don't stand in the opposition of the Almighty. Can I say something to you? <laughs> you'll go down. It might take a little time, but you'll go down. I don't want to go down. I want to go a little higher in the good Lord. As we close, and before Dustin comes up here or any of the musicians and we sing anything, can I get you this morning to agree with me that we pray for Brother Charles and for Brother Charles's family. All the time that Gail was in this hospital, Charles had just gone through a surgery where he lost his voice box, and he speaks through a little hole that is in right here in his neck. Um, he's got a little device he puts in there, and you can hear him. You can hear him well if there's no other uh, distractions.
I mean, Charles, you're not going to keep Charles down. But I'm just saying, here was the Lord. You think the Lord wasn't working overtime on the husband and the wife who have no children, but they have a church family and they have loved ones and family members that are really helping them out. I'm telling you, it can play on you when you start having to take care of somebody on a long-term basis. The good Lord knew Sister Gail's days, and she honored the good Lord, and she's not in no pain right now. She's not suffering. She's not hurting. She couldn't make any blood, and she was having to take blood that was given unto her. Now, if I can get you to agree with me, we're going to pray the Comforter, which is that same Holy Spirit we're talking about. The, hump, the Comforter is going to comfort Charles and his family. Father, we come in the blessed name of Jesus, in the great name of Yeshua. And, Father, we're asking you right now, because I know these prayers have already been prayed. I know people have already stood on their faith in prayer for them. But this is a different hour. This is a different time with different people congregating together. And we're joining our faith, asking you to comfort Charles and to comfort the loved ones, the families, the friends, the neighbors, as they have lost, I believe, as good a person that ever walked upon the face of the earth in the sense of how much they loved you, in the sense of how they were so gentle and they were so caring. I don't know of anybody that would have been, that I could say those words about any more so than I could, Sister Gail. And we, we grieve in our hearts, we grieve in our spirits. And I know Charles told me last night, he said, I really haven't missed her as of yet. The day will come when only the comforter can comfort that, uh, that grieving down deep, that may not be manifest as of yet. And God, we're asking you to take him through the lonely times. We're asking you to, God, take him through those times to where he sits and ponders and thinks. But God, never take the good memories away from Charles. And God, we'll pray these things today in your glorious name. We're going to believe by faith that we talked about today. We're going to believe by faith that they are so. And God, will give you praise and honor and glory. In your good name. Thank you, Father. Amen.